Welcome to another episode of Mental Health Mondays, where we talk to guests who are professionals in the mental health space, advocates for mental health, or those that have lived with or experienced a mental health challenge. If you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure you mash down that subscribe button, which should be right below. Uh, share if it's something that you're just so inspired, please feel free to share and comment. Um, if you're watching this on Facebook, you just have to give StreamYard permission so that your comments actually pop up and we could even answer them while we're watching this. And I've never said this before, but I think it's important. So um, I am excited to bring on my guest for today. She is in Oxford, England. So pretty excited to have her on. So let me bring her in. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Um, so tell the audience a little bit about yourself. So I was that sort of typical corporate business high achiever for about 14, 15 years. And I, you know, everything was about that next promotion, next pay rise, next job title. And I never really gave my mental health much thought. I'll be honest, it was, you know, I would get migraines, but I would just put it down to I hadn't slept enough, I hadn't drunk enough um, until, you know, that lifestyle just gets too much. And you realize that it can't just be all these physical symptoms. And that's when, you know, that's when my burnout started. But until I, you know, burnt out was probably about three years of my body, you know, honestly screaming at me to stop to start listening to my body. And of course, I just ignored all of it. Um, and once you go through that, and my own, you know, my own journey took me to the brink of suicide. I had planned to end my life because I just couldn't live with the pain anymore. That you kind of go, hang on. The one thing that helped me was being able to ask for help, be able to talk to somebody. What if I could become that for somebody else? And that really became what drove me on through my own healing journey. But then as I came out of it, it was like, well, how do I make all of the resources that I've had available to me, all the things that I've learned available to other people so that nobody else ever gets to that point where they think that ending it is the only option that they have? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that also. And I can relate the corporate stress right like you're just going 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 and it's like this hamster wheel that you're continually ignoring what's actually going on with your body or ignoring all the thoughts that are popping in your head and you're just like I have a job to do I have to do this and you're having all these people tell you potentially what not and what to do and so it just becomes this revolving door and then ultimately leading like you said into these thoughts of suicide for you. And that is a place that I'm glad that you're here with us. So thank you. I'm, your story is very <laughs> important to share. Um, and so now with all of this, what do you do now? So I help people recover from burnout if they have unfortunately got that far. But I also help people put the things in place to stop them from burning out. So burnout prevention. And tackling that on both the individual level, but also with companies who, you know, COVID and the pandemic have been really eye-opening to companies about how much more they can do for their employees 
in terms of treating their mental health as well as, you know, and physical health. But I think all of these things kind of came together when, you know, people weren't in the same buildings anymore. I said, no, well, oh, hang on. Do I know if they're okay? And, you know, so that simple question has been a mantra for an organization in Australia. Are you okay is a big mental health movement over there. And it's a, that simple question. Are you okay? You know, my boss asks me that every day. My, you know, I ask my team that every day. And, and you soon get to know when the answer is honest or whether there's a follow-up. Are you sure? Like, are you really okay? And it's not about nagging people to open up and tell me everything. It's like sometimes all that somebody needs to know is that you're there so that when they get to that point where they are struggling or they really do need to ask for help, they know that there's somebody that they can reach out to. And that was very much for me. You know, when I got to that point where I was going to ask for help, I had somebody who I had met sort of four months earlier, had never imagined having another conversation with. And yet that was the perfect person to ask in that moment. And yeah, took me on exactly the journey that I needed to go on. So you never know when somebody's going to need that face, that number, that just that knowledge that somebody said they would help me. Somebody was concerned enough to ask me a couple of times, am I okay? Yeah, I think, I mean... I feel like the, are you okay? At least so in the US, it, it's very prominent, right? It's something that people say more often now, which is great. Um, it still has that stigma associated with it because I know our automatic thoughts are like, yeah, I'm fine. But yeah. like you said, asking multiple times and making sure that is that first response that I'm gonna get, is that really true? Or do I need to ask the question again? And maybe they'll give me an honest answer after, right? So, and I think it's that that's no, it's knowing in yourself as well. You know, I could, I could, I had a mask of I'm fine, everything's going well, and everything. Nobody knew what was going on in my life during that really dark period because I was fine. Yes, everything's going well. I'm just really busy. I'll speak to you soon. Those were the sort of standard answers, and you soon realize that actually you know, when I'd gone through the whole healing journey and actually told people everything that was going on, every single person that I told was like, I would have been there in five minutes if you'd called. I would have been on the other end of the phone if you'd needed me. All you had to do was reach out. And when you're in that period of despair, I suppose is the best way to put it. That's not what you're thinking about. But somewhere deep down, you know, there's somebody that you could call. And that's what, you know, I would encourage everyone to have that a number stored in their phone, a number written in their purse to say, you know, it's almost that in case of emergency and it's a mental health emergency, not, you know, it's not 911 or for us 999. It's who would you call if things started to get a bit rough? Yeah, that's awesome. So you guys already have the 999? So 999 is our equivalent of um, 911. So that's who we call if we want an ambulance to come in, you know, get us gotcha uh, so that's our emergency <laughs> response number um we don't have the 958 i think that you now have for the uh, mental health 988 yeah. yes um for the mental health but hopefully we will soon move in that direction too yeah that actually it just launched on july 16th so mm -hmm. very recently 
Um, but yeah, so it's 988 and I think it's really cool. It's been a really long process for them to initiate that, but hopefully it will go worldwide, national, wherever it needs to go yes. uh, so that everybody has access to it. And those people that, you know, that people can have something easy to remember when they're in that place, but it's also, you know, and it is difficult to talk to family and friends about some of this mental health stuff. And so to have that resource that is anonymous or to have it that it is, you know, independent, you don't know who's on the other end of the phone can actually be easier for some people to, to make the first move in opening up. Yeah, definitely. Um, and a thought that popped into my head, because I know that you do specialize more in burnout for corporations or companies in general. I'm curious with, I know from my background, um, it did come up after we moved everybody home when I was in a corporate job and it started to look like the company as a whole was really starting to talk about mental health and how important it was. But then on the flip side, it was like, you should do all these things for your mental health, but you need to hit the numbers. You need to hit the numbers. So it was very hard to really acknowledge and be like, oh yeah, you know, you're, you're showing that it's important, but yet on the other flip side, it's like, yeah, you shouldn't do that. So I don't know what thoughts come into your head with that. And I think that was, that was pretty much what started mine was that you would you get these messages, you have targets to hit, you have launches to do, you have, I had a team of 21 people across 14 time zones. And I would always take it on myself to be the one awake at midnight so that somebody else didn't have to be if we had a team meeting. Or I would do all the traveling so they didn't have to come to me, I just went to them all the time. And you, you know, in your head was, I have to do this, this is my job, I'm an international, you know, compliance officer this is this is just part of the job this is what I do and I loved the pieces working in all the different countries different cultures but of course it was the travel in between and the you know the late nights and when you're traveling it's always full days so you don't go to the gym you don't eat properly or you're not eating your normal routine all those things start to chip away at you but I wouldn't have said I wasn't I wasn't unhappy I just had these migraines that I kept getting or, you know, that cold that would never go away. And now I know what it was. It was my body going, you're stressed. Please stop. Please look after us. But actually in the lifestyle was, there was this phrase that I would, that comes up and it's, I will do X when I, so I'll read a book when I take vacation. I'll, um, I'll get plenty of sleep at the weekend or I'll go out with my friends for dinner once we finish this project. There's always this when piece and that when was never about me. It was always about the job and always about the company. And what I want to encourage people to do is to make sure that there's still a priority in their own life that they feature somewhere on their calendar every day if they can, but at least a couple of times a week in sec sections that are non-negotiable. So whether that is your time to go to the gym or whether it is for time for family or you coach, my brother coaches football, soccer uh, for, for my nephew, that doesn't shift. Like every Wednesday at six o'clock, he is coaching soccer. That's his priority for him. 
Now, if something came up for work, maybe once in a blue moon, he might not, he might miss a session because he was traveling or, but he would get somebody else to cover it, but then he wouldn't miss one for months. I wasn't like that. I was like, oh no, I'm flying off somewhere tomorrow. So I'll see you in a couple of weeks. No, I can't make dinner. Oh, I won't come home for Christmas this year because it's just too busy. Um, oh, don't worry about my birthday. I'll just, we'll catch up another time. You know, nothing about it was for me. It was all about my work. And that to me was non-negotiable, but I was the bit that could be canceled, be rescheduled. And actually that was the bit that I needed to focus on in order to be able to deliver at a much higher level. I had to put me back into my life. I love that. I, as, as you're talking, I am thinking about, because that has been something for me. I quit my corporate job last year and actually jumped into my nonprofit full time. And that was one of the first starting points for me was when I was working with a business coach. She's like, plan out your days, right? Mm -hmm. In your non-negotiables. And I was like, non-negotiables like what are those because <laughs> I I hadn't ever planned anything around myself like it's about my family it's about work it's about making money it's about building these businesses right and for me I'm like wait so I can like schedule my time how I want to and so that was a new concept for me and I have I've built in like Wednesdays and Sundays are my days off mm -hmm. because my husband has those days off. And so Wednesdays have a little bit more flexibility. And that's something that I was like, I'm OK with having a little bit of flexibility there if I need to do a meeting or whatever. But yeah, you have to build in those non-negotiables and hold yourself accountable for it because otherwise you're not going to do it. So I love that you shared that, too. And I think it's really, you know, one of the first things I get clients to do is actually figure out what's important to them, what brings them joy, because the things you give up easiest are probably the things that you really loved doing. And I remember my coach saying to me, I want you to write a list of 10 to 12 things that you don't do anymore, but used to bring you joy. And if you can't think of anything straight off, think back to yourself as a child, because those are the things that made you happy and they probably still would. And so I have this whole list and there at the top is reading books. And I realized that I hadn't read a book in four years, three or four years. This was the girl who, when she packed for vacation, family vacations when she was young, there were more books in there than there were like clothes. <laughs> much to my parents' despair. You know, no, I need 10 books. I don't need, I don't need pants or tops or shoes. I need books. And then you go, well, but how did that happen? Well, it's because I had that statement. I'll read them on vacation. I'll read them when I finish this project. And suddenly there's a great stack of books and it then taunts you. Oh, here's that stack of books I haven't read. And you're almost guilty for not having read it. Whereas actually it was like, oh, I must get some time to sit and read a book. And he encouraged me to, you know, start small, but do something every day. And I'll tell you, that first day reading one paragraph was like swimming through treacle. It was so difficult. I just wasn't, I couldn't sit still. My brain went 100 miles an hour of everything else I had to do. And the next day, one page. You know, you soon get up to five minutes. 
you know, this is the girl who, you know, this is a little girl who could sit for three hours and finish the whole book is now not even finishing a chapter. But you start to build it up. And now 30 minutes a day reading is my non-negotiable. And I notice by sort of middle of the afternoon, dinner time, if I haven't had my 30 minutes, I know I haven't had it. And I'll then go and I'll shift something or I'll, I'll just make sure that they have it that day because it's it's my gift to myself every day. That's me making time for me. That is a great point of doing just like little steps because I am, well, my belief is that I'm not a, really a reader. <laughs> That's what I, I have a whole stack of books back behind me over yeah. one side that I probably have only read a couple pages out of on and I, I also tend to like people say like meditation is really good. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm the same way as like my brain will just go in 20 million different directions when I'm like, you're supposed to be sitting here and like not thinking about anything. <laughs> and it's just like going all over the place. So I love that you said, do it in small chunks, like start with like you could even start with a paragraph, right? And then yeah. go to two paragraphs and then go to a whole page. And oh, um, it can yeah. be even smaller than that. Pick the book. Oh, yeah. All I have to do is decide which book I'm going to read next. I love that. And that's it. And you really, you don't have to stress yourself out about it. It's like if today one paragraph is, is good, that's good. You still did something for yourself. It's not, you know, I'm not a marathon runner, never will be. My brother runs 100 mile races. I do the crew, so I take all the snacks around, but he runs 100 miles. He didn't go from Monday to Tuesday going, tomorrow I'm going to run 100 miles. It took months and months to get to that level of fitness to be able to do it. And there were some days he would have a short run and some days he would have a long run and some days he wouldn't run but he would, you know, he might do some stretching. And that's, it's about not punishing ourselves for not doing what we thought the next big milestone is. It's just about doing it because our brain, oh, we're reading. And it'll go back to, for me, it'll go back to, you used to enjoy reading in the, in the grass. You used to take it on a picnic. You used to always finish this book in the school holidays. It's all those memories are triggering our happy hormones. Mm. And whilst those are being triggered, the body can't be stressed because the body can produce dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, or it can produce cortisol. It cannot produce them at the same time. Mm. So if you can break it, even for one chapter or one paragraph, you give your body a break from stress. And there's more of those little breaks that you can build in, the burnout can't take its hold. I love that. And I I call those your happy juices, your brain's happy yes. juices. <laughs> yeah. So that's also something that I talk a lot about too, is even just a simple smile and it yeah. can be a fake smile, but it helps release all of those endorphins or all the happy juices. Um, but I also like how you said, I mean, just small steps you also make sure that you incorporate it daily it's going to help so that you're producing these happy juices versus the the stress home the stress chemicals man my brain's like i'm so happy with what you're saying <laughs> like i can't even talk um 
but yeah, the stress, the stress hormones and like, it's all about balance. Right. So I love that you shared all of that. Um, and you're totally on my wavelength, which I love. Absolutely. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say to, and I'm just going back to my corporate days of being a supervisor and a people leader and, um, knowing that I have all these pressures on me, plus then I have to like worry about my team. And then I have my management telling me that mental health is important and I need to go take walks and all of these things. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have time for walks. I don't have time to do that. Um, those people that are in this cycle, uh, what would you recommend other than the things that we have been talking about already? So I think find, finding ways to incorporate some of those activities in what you're doing, and I'll come back to that in a minute. But the other thing is, whatever you would do for your team, do for yourself. So I was always great at making sure my team took breaks, that they booked their holidays in, that they didn't work late. I would kick them out of the office and I would stay for another couple of hours. You know, it's practicing what you want them to do as well. It's a lot more powerful for them to see a manager who looks after themselves with their mental health as well as their physical health to actually then open up if they're struggling but also to model what you're doing as well. So if they always see you eating lunch at your desk, there is that the expectation is I eat lunch at my desk here. Whereas if they see you leave your desk for your lunch and maybe you go for a walk, quick walk around the block, they get, get that message that it's okay to do that. And so, you know, I will go for a walk if I have a meeting with somebody. If I'm on the phone, I'll say to them, look, I'm going to turn the video off because I'm walking. There's no reason why you can't have the meeting sat on a park bench, assuming it's quiet enough. Or, you know, if I'm in the office, some of the meetings will actually do it whilst we go for a walk. You know, if there's nothing we need to write down and we don't need a PowerPoint and we haven't got anything we need to type, then why not walk and talk? Stand and have a meeting. Don't sit down. You know, all these little things are just telling your body some, you know, giving it different signals. If you are somebody who has a lot of meetings all day, either don't have them in the same room or make sure that you leave the room. So it's really easy to get a huge water bottle. So I had like a two liter water bottle for a while. And then I realized it meant I never left my office because I still had my water bottle. Oh, I'll just have a quick drink. It's fine. It's fine. Unless I have to pee and then I have to leave the room, obviously. But it's like, but there's water's here. That's fine. I'm good to go. But actually, if I just get a glass of water, then I have to go to the kitchen and get another one. And I break the energy of being in that same place, same stool. Oh, I'm getting uncomfortable. My back's sore. I haven't moved for a while. But actually, just 10 seconds to go and get another glass of water tells my body that, oh, look, we're walking around. We're safe. There's no danger for us here. It's all right for us to not be sat at our computer every minute of every eight hours. And all it took was walking to the kitchen to get a glass of water. But you still got, you might not associate it with the happy juices, but your brain is getting the message that you are safe. There is nothing to stress about. You're looking after yourself because you're getting a glass of water. If you're getting a glass of water, you're not being chased by a saber-toothed tiger and you need to get up a tree or into a cave where he can't get you. And that's how our bodies are still built. 
So by doing the little things that says, I'm safe, I'm okay, your body can relax and actually do what it's supposed to do. That's a great, great point. As I think of my one gallon water bottle that's like <laughs> sitting in my kitchen. I'm, I'm glad you didn't say my saber tooth tiger. Who no, no, to be fed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's a really good point. I mean, I never honestly thought of it that way. And I mean, I also talk about these things, but understanding, I mean, yes, it was for convenience that I got this gallon of water jug and right you can, you can still use the water bottle just put it in the kitchen so you have to walk to get fill up your glass there you go that's a good <laughs> idea yeah you're like just keep dump it you know yeah. make sure you get the whole gallon of water per yeah. day but do glasses at a time um and then associating the walking out of the area I know for me my office is actually in the middle of my living room kitchen area and so for me being right here, it's easy access, but I have to remind myself, like when you shut down your computer for the night, it's shut down. Like yes. you've got to detach yourself, whether you're working at home or not at home. Right. Um, we don't have the luxury of getting out of the office or I don't right now, but I think that's important. Like you said, is that start building in these non-negotiables and hold yourself accountable to them and then also recognize these small things that you can do like just going into the kitchen and getting a glass of water don't let your brain like mine be like oh I need to do the dishes or oh I need to do this right <laughs> now come on refocus and go back to your desk or do what you need to do but yeah I think that's a really great point also <laughs> but just in that just making a note of what you've just thought about oh need to do the dishes oh I need to add that to the shopping list just make a note of it because that sends the signal to your brain that you won't forget it mm. whereas if you go oh I must do the dishes must do the dishes and you come back and you try and work your brain is still going I thought we were going to do the dishes we really need to do the dishes and so it's running a little program up here going there are dirty dishes in the kitchen and actually just by writing it down you say I know I have to do that and I've remembered it now I can get back to my editing or my coaching or my accounts or whatever it was that you were doing. But it's just learning to help the brain a little in telling it it's safe, in telling it you're not going to forget things and allowing it that time to just do what it does naturally because it keeps us alive. So, yeah, it's pretty good at what it does. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it knows what it's doing. Um, no, I love that. These are all really great tips for if you work at home by yourself or you work in a corporate job or whatever, I mean, whatever your work situation looks like. And so if somebody wanted to work with you, how would that look? So I do it in various ways. It really depends where that person is starting from. Um, they're in that sort of I'm getting hyper stressed I've got loads of things then we have you know some short programs that just change your habits make you a priority back in your own life if people are struggling a bit more with you know they have burnout or they are getting to that point and it's so you need to make those changes and you need to create habits so you're looking at sort of three to six months of coaching regular support and also looking at the things that have caused that burnout in the first place you know, I didn't burn out overnight. It took about three, three and a half years. But all of the red flags were there. 
right, you know, right from the beginning, my body was giving me enough signals that something was wrong. And I have a quiz on my website. So um, yourreasontobreathe.com forward slash quiz. It's 15 red flags for burnout. And some of them you might go, oh, that's, yeah, that's an obvious one. You know, I'm not sleeping enough. But other things like, are you using a lot of energy drinks? Are you using coffee to get you through the day? When you read the list, and it's a simple Cosmo style quiz, yes, no. And how many yeses and nos did you get? It's no, there's no scientific algorithm behind it of telling you how stressed you are. Um, but in combination, those become really powerful. So if you're not getting enough sleep and you're not hydrating properly, a lot of the other factors will happen because the body just cannot work properly. So by knowing what those red flags are, that's what you can start on first. And so by helping people to sleep properly, manage their time, hydrate properly, and find some ways to manage their stress is pretty much, I think probably would have worked with all of my clients to date. Um, it just comes in different forms. So there's no set program. I have programs, but it's really, what does the individual need to do to be the best they can be, to be burnout free? Um, and how do, yeah, how do we find that? That's awesome. And you said your reason to breathe. Yeah. Oh, I didn't put the, that's, I was, let me, I was trying to write it so that I can pop it up here, <laughs> but I think I forgot the E at the end of breathe. That's yes. probably why. <laughs> breathe with an E. Breathe with an E. <laughs> like not, yes. So let me pop that up just so that the audience can take that quiz so if I can make these work. All right. So here, so right below, yourreasontobreathe.com forward slash quiz is a great place to go take the little quiz and see where you're at. Yeah. And so I know you said earlier that you do work with a team. So is this like, is this your own business or do you work with others? So I work, I have my own business, but I also work in a corporate uh, job in well-being and compliance. So I got to, I got to combine my, both my passions for what I used to do is as a corporate job with the whole well-being piece. And I work for a renewable energy company. Oh, okay. So green energy. Um, yeah. You know, and the, the team there, it's, it's a company that does talk about mental health and quite openly looks in ways to improve it. And so, yeah, there is that link still to corporate, um, but there's a nice contrast of, of having both sides to it. Um, That's amazing. So I know you just shared, so your reason to breathe.com. That is your personal, that's your website. Do you work with um, anyone across the world or do you mainly just focus in England no, so I'm international. Um, so to date, I've worked, yeah, I think in 103 different countries. Wow. Um, spoken, talked, to, you know, coached and everything. Uh, yeah. Location, as, as COVID has proven, location is not the issue. Um, and I would much rather have a conversation with somebody. And if I'm not the right person or the timings, you know, some of the time zones can make it a little difficult. If it doesn't work, then it's finding the right person that can help you. And I'm happy to do that um, if we need to do that as well. Love that. Yeah, no, definitely. I love that. I mean, 
unfortunately, like this pandemic has happened, but I think that it's opened up ask opened up to the whole world. Um, and so we're able to offer services like we're doing right now, right? Via Zoom yeah. or via StreamYard or wherever you're at. So um let the folks know my brain just like was like okay um let the <laughs> folks know if they want to reach out to you where can they find you other than the website that we just dropped <laughs> so the website in the quiz there are also some contact details if you want to have a 30 minute call with me to talk through your results or anything to do with stress and burnout uh you can also find me on facebook um at your reason to breathe and on linkedin as the sarah ross Awesome. And I did, I put all of her information down yeah. in the comments <laughs> below. So if you don't remember or you want all the links, just look below in all of the comments. But any last thoughts, tips, tricks, things that you would like to share? The biggest lesson I learned was actually to talk about it, to actually ask somebody for help. And so if you've listened to this and you're feeling stressed or things aren't going as as you would want them to then please find somebody to reach out to whether that's family friends or whether it's you know myself Kelly through what she does but please don't suffer in silence um problem shared really is a problem halved and sometimes just talking about it just makes it a little bit easier to bear so please Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you being a guest today on Mental Health Mondays. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. All right, y'all. That was another amazing episode of Mental Health Mondays. Like Sarah said, um, ask for help. It might be the hardest thing you ever possibly have to do, but I promise you it will be well worth it. And like she talked about with her experience is that there were many, many people out there that would have been there or were a phone call away by just even knowing what was going on. So um, some really great tips. If you didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing, make sure you go back. Make sure you hit down that subscribe button if you're watching from YouTube. Um, again, Mental Health Mondays is where we talk to either professionals in the mental health space uh, mental health advocates or those that have lived with or experienced a mental health challenge. And we do this every single Monday at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time because I'm in Denver, but I know she's coming from England. But that's the cool part is that we can have guests from across the world. So if you want to be a guest, you can be. There's actually information down in the comments also. And keep in mind that BCC Evolution is a nonprofit or a 501c3 organization. And you can become a warrior for mental health today with a $20 donation or more. All you have to do is go to bccevolution.org and sign up to become a warrior and you get one of these cool shirts. So that's all. That's a wrap. And we will see you back next Monday for another episode. Bye, y'all.